up ahead on the Six P's podcast. We're back to LB Jeffrey's apartment looking at rear window. In this podcast, we'll focus on the characters and the key themes and revise over all those really important quotations. That and much more coming up on the Six P's podcast right now. Yes, it's great to have your company once again for another edition of the Six Ps podcast. Hey, good sis, it's episode R, and we are looking at Rear Window today. This is part two of our three-part series, revising and reviewing Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's film, which we're going to write on in our exam, or most of us anyway, for our text response, which is section A. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can definitely do so, and the best way to do this is to send me an email at 6pspodcast at gmail.com. That's 6pspodcast at gmail.com, and um, I'm happy to answer any questions or concerns that you might have. When discussing this, um, of course, uh, I plan on um, doing a Q&A podcast in a couple of weeks' time, so that'll be week one of term four, so the second week of October. So if there's anything you'd like to ask me about, if it's exam-related, one of the texts related, essay writing related, vocab, whatever it is, feel free to send me an email and I'll hopefully be able to get to your question then. So today I just want to basically run through what I think are the key themes and just go over some key quotations, some key ideas. And I think like most um, texts, um, you really want a good knowledge or a solid knowledge of the themes because quite often they can be used to form topic sentences or ideas when it comes to the actual essay writing. The first thing I'm going to focus on in voyeurism, and it's the main one that's explored throughout the text, both um, validating voyeurism, but also questioning it as well. We mentioned in the last podcast the fact that, you know, being voyeuristic was actually encouraged by the American government uh, during the Cold War. There was this real fear of communism, and um, I guess to a certain extent, the government definitely encouraged voyeurism. Hitchcock, though, um, questions it a little bit. In fact, the characters question it a fair bit as well. When we talk about voyeurism, I think Jeffries is the main one we focus on, the main character. He is, of course, the protagonist. The reason we say this, I guess, to start with is, well, it's his job. His job is as a photographer. So voyeurism to him isn't much of a big jump. He's used to watching people, observing people, filming filming them, taking photographs of them. And... um, It's interesting to note that he talks about being stuck in a um, swamp of boredom um, initially and the fact that he's going to do something drastic. He references marriage, that he's going to get married. Um, But it's interesting that he he follows this path of of trying to find out whether Lars Thorvald is in fact a murderer. So the first time that we, I guess, question voyeurism is Stella's initial entrance into the apartment. She says, we become a race of peeping toms what people ought to do is get outside their own house and look in for a change now that's how's that for home spun philosophy Stella's quite interesting um because she speaks very matter of fact very straightforward um she actually also mentions the fact that it's 
um, six months in the workhouse if you're caught being a peeping Tom. The word or the phrase peeping Tom just refers to looking in on other people quite often from a window. Um, definitely has horror film um, written all over it. Um, but Stella's the first one that sort of questions it. Jeffries doesn't seem to care too much, though. He's happy to look at his, his neighbours. Um, when he looks at the newlyweds um, initially, we see him looking a little bit, and it's in the same scene with Stella. We see through a close-up a look of guilt on his face, which I think is really interesting. He sort of questions what he's doing, how he's looking in on a very private moment. But as the film progresses, um, rarely if ever does he then sort of show any sense of, of guilt um, regarding that as well. In terms of the film, it is shot primarily from Jeffrey's perspective, and that's really important. So what Jeffrey sees is what we see as well. Um, and I think the reason why I say that's really important is because we can empathize with him. It's a shared experience. We're looking in on these characters just as Jeffrey's is. The comparison is made with TV channels. He's channel surfing. He's clicking to different channels. He's looking at Miss Torso, Miss Lonely Hearts. Um, and I think that's definitely um, apparent here as well. Um, it depends on what sort of catches his attention the most. Sometimes it is Miss Torso. Sometimes as well it is Miss Lonely Hearts. Jeffries, of course, isn't the only voyeur. In fact, um, I think the opening or the establishing sequence is really interesting because we see the helicopter hovering over the um, sunbathing women. And for me, that sort of mirrors or reflects the, I guess, justification of voyeurism within society, that it's widespread, that it's not just confined to this character, Jeffries, who's in um, his plastic cocoon, that in fact it, it is rampant throughout all of society. So Jeffries hears a scream, and, and based on his um, observations, um, he assumes that Lars Thorwald has murdered his wife, Anna. He begins observing Thorwald the next day quite closely and he uses two um, devices to help him with this. It's the binoculars and it's the um, long lens. These are both obviously um, tools that he would use in his job and I think there's a nice link between Jeffrey's being a voyeur and Jeffrey's working and having a purpose. That's really, really important. Um, Lisa... Um, when she enters, it's really interesting because he she manages to gain his attention briefly. Um, after their first fight, she comes back again the next day and they start to sort of make out. And as they're doing so, and what's meant to be a really romantic scene, all Jeff can think of is, how would he chop up the body? And Lisa responds by saying, Jeff, if you can only see yourself. So I like this connection because Stella previously said what people ought to do is get outside their own house and look in for a change. And that's what Lisa says. She goes, Jeff, if you could only see yourself, sitting around looking out of the window to kill time is one thing, but doing it the way you are with binoculars and wild opinions about every little thing you see is the disease. She caused him diseased um, what he's doing. Again, questioning the validity um, and I guess the morality and the ethics around um, voyeurism. I will say though, um, later on, in the fact, Lisa says that she's not much on window ethics. But Lisa's um, curiosity builds from this scene onwards. Um, they've had an argument. There's a bit of a rapprochement um, after Lisa looks in on the apartment and sees something very suspicious. And we get that zoom and into the close-up of Lisa, who says, start from the start, tell me everything um, and what you think it means. Um, when um, Doyle... 
um, suggests that um, he's the investigator. When he sort of suggests, firstly, that what Jeff's doing is wrong, he says that people do things in private that they never, ever do in public. Um, he sort of suggests that Jeffries is wrong. In fact, he comes back and says, no, look, I've checked it out and finds he's incorrect. And um, when he says that both Lisa and Jeffries are there, they both um, look at themselves to an extent and go, yeah, you know what? Um, they're right. Um, Jeffrey says that was pretty private stuff going on out there that he was witnessing. Um, it's interesting that, that, that Jeff says... He goes, I wonder if it's ethical to watch a man with binoculars and a long focus lens. Do you suppose it's ethical, even if you prove that he doesn't commit a crime? And that's the question of this film. So Jeffries, indeed, he does end up catching a criminal, a murderer. But is that justified? Does it justify what they do? Uh, Lisa also questions it. As well, she calls her and Jeff frightening ghouls. The fact they were really upset, you know, that um, a woman hasn't been murdered. Um, they're sort of upset about it. And again, sort of that questioning of whether voyeurism is acceptable, especially in a society where it is encouraged. Um, I guess the last scene as well is really important to look at because Jeffries finally is outside his apartment and we're the ones looking at him now as he's dangling from in a quite vulnerable position from the building. He's dragged out of his apartment literally by Thorwald. Um, and I think that's really um, an important scene in a sense as well because we see that from a different perspective as well. We see Jeffries from a different perspective too. So voyagism is definitely um, a theme that can be linked to so many other um, themes as well because it's through voyeurism that Jeffries gains his values regarding women, regarding marriage. Um, it's also linked with social isolation and a lack of connection that the characters have as well. So voyeurism for me definitely is the protagonist of all the themes, definitely the most important theme and one that I would definitely put a really strong quote bank on. So that leads us to our next theme that I like to focus on which is um, gender roles. And for me, this film presents... Um, the complexities revolving around women and what their role is in society. And as I said yesterday, um, it was a really challenging time for women. Uh, they had found uh, they were quite valuable during World War II in the workforce, um, working in factories, and, and now came a time for many of them to give up their jobs. In fact, they were still expected to give up their careers in order to marry a man. For me, Lisa epitomises femininity, just as Jeffries epitomises masculinity or a lack of masculinity. And we see that in the opening shot. Lisa um, looks spectacular. We get the really soft lighting, and she's in fact, she's always dressed really beautifully, no matter what she's doing, whether she's um, digging uh, the flower bed, whether she's um, breaking into Thorwald's apartment, she's always dressed immaculately, and I think that's really important. Jeffries actually says... Is this the same Lisa Fremont who never wears the same dress twice? And Lisa says, well, only because it's expected of her. I really like that opening scene when Lisa turns on the lights as well. I think that's really, really cool um, how she puts a light on herself. Um, later on, the, the second time, it's Jeffries who's the one commanding her, don't, don't, don't turn the lights on yet. Okay, you can turn them on now. Um, but Lisa, he has all the power and, and, and authority, especially in that opening scene when she's hovering over him with a really soft lighting. So they both, in that opening scene with them together, they both witness 
um, the women around them. One is, of course, Miss Lonely Hearts, and the other one is Miss Torso. Jeffries views Miss Torso as the queen bee with her pick of the drones. But what Lisa says is, no, she, I'd say she's doing a woman's hardest job, juggling wolves. And we see these two different interpretations of Miss Torso's life. Jeffries views it as... Um, as if she has no problems, it must be a really easy life. But it's Lisa who looks at it as being quite challenging. Uh, and um, for me, I think uh, Miss Lonely Hearts is also good to look at and how um, Jeffries views her as well. He almost he almost ridicules her to an extent when um, she's got her um, pretend or fake date. And it's Lisa who is the one that sympathises with her too. In fact, the fact that Jeffries calls her Miss Lonely Hearts um, sort of suggests to me that he doesn't really feel sympathetic towards her. Lisa um, talks about the fact that women are that unpredictable, um, and Jeffries responds to that, saying, well, I can't guess what you're thinking, and we get this tension between the two characters. It's female intuition that actually helps build the case against Thorwald. Lisa is so sure that no woman would leave without her jewellery or her handbag, and Doyle sort of... Um, refutes that and he says you know that female intuition stuff sells magazines but in real life it's still a fairy tale but Lisa says no 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 a woman never goes anywhere with that packing makeup clothes and jewellery what I would like to mention here as well about gender roles is the fact that um, Lisa is quite assertive so she has a career um, she provides for Jeffries, the lobster dinner I reckon is fantastic. I really like that from 21. Uh, and the fact that she brings a night case along with her, um, she's really assertive in the fact that she is the one that proposes that they spend the night together, which was quite risque at the time. The thing, though, is that Jeffries is... Um, you got to question him, um, firstly, because of how he treats Lisa, and... A really nice thing I like to look at is Lisa provides him with a lobster dinner and champagne, this really immaculate dinner. The following day, um, Stella provides him with bacon and eggs, and he's really excited for that. I mean, really excited. He goes, I can't tell you how much I've missed this. Look at the way he treats that meal compared to the one that Lisa prepared for him. I think it's mind-boggling, and it suggests a lot about Jeffries as a character and how he views her. And when we talk about gender roles, we talk about marriage. And I think that's what put, puts Jeff off Lisa. He's expected to marry her and he doesn't want to, even though she's, yes, she's too perfect, um, if you can believe that for him. And this, for me, is a real barrier for him. And that's why their relationship doesn't really go anywhere. Within the film, of course, I am saying this. Eventually, they are connected together and, and they work through um, the murder investigation together. But there's this real tension between them initially, and that's founded purely on what Jeff views marriage as. And he views marriage through the other characters that he sees within the neighborhood. Um, It's interesting, though, that when they're talking about careers, and I think careers is a good thing to mention here, Jeffries can't see Lisa spending time with him, and Jeffries can't see him spending time in New York and working like Lisa does. Jeff says, can you see me driving down to the fashion salon in a Jeep wearing combat boots and a three-day beard? Wouldn't that make a hit? Let's stop talking nonsense, shall we? He calls her proposal nonsense. And Lisa quite defensively says, well, if there's one thing I know, it's how to wear the proper clothes. So she, again, shows herself to be quite assertive with that. Um, Stella's an interesting woman to look at as well. She holds that traditional view of marriage, um, which I spoke about yesterday, 
or whenever the last podcast dropped. I'm not too sure when these are getting dropped, so apologies. Um, but Stella definitely represents that idea of um, traditional marriage. She, um, her and her husband are both maladjusted misfit, misfits they were when they were married, and they still are, which I think is really, really interesting. A um, couple more things I want to look at. Uh, I do want to look at isolation and confinement. Um, the fact that Jeffries is quite isolated in his apartment. Um, and I think when we talk about um, social connections or the lack thereof, this neighborhood is a really good, um, I guess, example of that. And the scene you need to look at is definitely the one of the dog owner. She cries out to all, all her neighbors and they all come out to look at what she's saying, apart from Thorwald, of course, which eventually leads to um, Jeffrey's further suspicions of him. But she says, which one of you did it? Which one of you killed my dog? You don't know the meaning of the word neighbours. Neighbours like each other, speak to each other, care if somebody lives or dies. But none of you do. And it gives them all a chance to reflect on their lives, reflect on their relationships with others and how they treat each other. We see a couple of um, cases where neighbours do speak with one another. So we've got um, the woman with a hearing aid um, who greets the owners of the bird. Good morning at the very, very start of the film. There's her um, confrontation with um, Thorwald over the flowers as well, which is there, um, and he sort of tells her to shut up. And I guess really the only other one that we see, apart from, of course, when... Um, Lisa is in Thorwald's apartment is the very end of the film where we see Miss Lonely Hearts in the songwriter's um, apartment. And I think it's really interesting, this idea that there is a lack of community within this neighbourhood. Um, another quote I want to mention just about isolation and confinement is the quote that Lisa tells to Jeff, where she says, according to you, people should be born, live and die in the same place. And again, she sort of questions him and his, um, I guess, really firm views of the world. I guess the other idea too is when Lisa mentions the fact, whatever happened to the old saying, love thy neighbor. You know, she also says that there can't be much difference between people and the way they live. We all eat, talk, drink, laugh and wear clothes. And she mentions that when she's talking about her relationship with Jeffries as well. I should say the, the other quote I really like, and it's a nice quote because if you watch the film really closely, it actually doesn't come out of Miss Lonely Heart's um, mouth. It um, has been dubbed over when she says, I can't tell you what this music means to me. That really nice sense of um, connection. Uh, the last theme that I want to focus on, and I've kind of already touched upon it already, but it is marriage, and I think it's really important. And we get these two perspectives, or these three perspectives of what um, marriage is. We have Lisa, who says that lots of men don't speak to their wives all day. Lots of wives nag, and men hate them, and trouble starts, but few of them end up in murder, if that's what you're thinking. That's Lisa's view. Jeffrey's view of domestic married life is different. He says, if it's about time you got married before you turn into a lonesome, bitter old man, and um, that's, sorry, that's Gunnison who says that, but Jeffrey's responds by going, can't you see me rushing home to a hot apartment and the nagging wife? Stella says that every man is ready to get married when the right girl comes along. Lisa is perfect. In fact, she's too perfect, apparently. 
Um, but there you have it. And I also like the fact that um, Jeffries has a few jabs at marriage as well with Lisa. When he talks about the composer, um, he says he lives alone. He probably had a very unhappy marriage. And when Lisa says it's almost as if it were being written especially for us, he goes, hmm, no wonder he's having so much trouble with it. He sort of uses marriage or the proposal of marriage to really belittle Lisa. So let's look at a couple of the key themes in the text. I think the other thing that I would be focusing on definitely is film techniques as well and building your knowledge of film techniques. I will talk about this in a bit more detail tomorrow, but I just want to emphasize the fact that when you use film techniques or utilize or employ film techniques within your writing, don't simply just mention it. It's really important to explain it. So for example, if you're going to talk about the Kuleshov effect, great, really happy, um, and I think it's something that should definitely be done, but don't just simply bring it in and say that, you know, this is shown through the Kuleshov effect. You need to go into a little bit more detail. So what does the Kuleshov effect emphasize? What does it reflect? What does it showcase or demonstrate um, about the characters, about their views, um, about the setting? Whatever it is, you need to give more detail about that. Look as well at shots. So look at close-ups, look at zoom-ins, look at pans. What do they show us? Um, especially emotions when it comes to close-ups. They will often show um, particular emotions, whether it's concern, sympathy, anger, surprise, curiosity. Whatever it is, close-ups work really, really well. The mise-en-scene is fantastic as well, and from that you can also talk about costume as well. So Jeffries wears the same thing in every single shot, um, apart from sometimes when he's not wearing a shirt, of course. Um, Lisa is always dressed in a different dress. She's dressed immaculately and beautifully. So you can talk about costume, but look at what you see as well. So look at what you see in the background, in the foreground. Look at the photos on the wall. Um, look at what um, is more prominent in some shots than others. Look at where characters as well when it comes to camera shots. Look at where they're positioned. So Lisa dominates Jeffries when we first meet her. She dominates him. She's standing over him. Um, we have the high camera low angle shots as well to show the different power dynamics as well within the text. I would definitely be mentioning um, perspective as well and the fact that most <clears throat> scenes are shot from Jeffrey's perspective and most scenes are shot from Jeffrey's apartment. There are a couple that aren't. The last scene isn't when we see Jeffrey's dangling from the building. Um, we also see Miss Torso. Um, during that scene where the dog dies, Miss Torso is shown from a low angle um, to showcase the sympathy on her face towards her neighbours. Most of the sound in Rear Window is diegetic. That means it's found within the world of the film. I would say most of the music comes from the songwriter uh, himself, which is really good. And a couple of times, quite often, the song will reflect what's happening. So That's Amore um, is played um, as well. Again, it's a song about... Um, love and that's shown when Miss Lonely Hearts is having a fake date and obviously the last um, song that song that we hear a couple of times throughout the film it's called Lisa um, and we see her at the very end looking quite relaxed and composed also though sometimes the music can be different um, in terms of the mood so when Lisa breaks into Thorwald's apartment um, it's the sound of the band warming up and it doesn't quite reflect um, the seriousness of Lisa's predicament. So it's also used for that reason as well. So have a look at that. But apart from that, 
Um, you're really looking at the basic film techniques and looking at ways in which it enhances or what it emphasizes or what it reflects about um, the world of the film. And that leads us to quotations, and my suggestion is definitely to learn as many quotations as you can. It is a film which suggests that, for me anyway, it's often easier, they're often easier to remember. Um, but there's some that come up a lot. The quote, plaster cocoon, seems to come up um, a lot. The idea that Lee is too perfect, too talented, too beautiful, too sophisticated, too everything but what I want. A great quote to describe how Jeffrey's views Lee's are. Um, Miss Torso, we've got those quotes. So she's a queen bee with a pick of the drones. Again, a quote that's used a lot. Again, with your quotes, make sure you um, embed them fluently as well. Um, the fact that she's the eat, drink, and be merry girl, I think is a really good one as well. Miss Lonely Heart, she drank herself to sleep last night. I guess the last thing to mention uh, as well as you to look at is symbols. So the wedding ring and the way that um, Lisa flushes that at um, Jeffrey's, that's her proposing marriage to him. Um, and we get the close-up of that too. Um, the long lens as well and the binoculars and the fact that the reflection of the building on those as well, they're symbols of um, voyeurism. And the fact that it consumes, so it replaces Jeffrey's eyes, I think is really interesting to have a, have a look at. It's... One thing to note too is, um, and it's another film technique you can look at, how in those scenes we see the edges of the film are blacked out so that we get Jeffrey's perspective, um, vignetting, and you can discuss that as well. And again, it's the audience sharing Jeffrey's perspective where you see what Jeffrey sees. Just to note though, please don't use the word we in your essay. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Always mention the audience because sometimes with these um, essay topics, they'll mention the audience disassociate yourself from the audience it's not we it's the audience it's the viewers as well so look out for the symbols as well um miss lonely heart's green dress has been um, analyzed in the past as well green being color um, of envy even lisa's wardrobe it goes from black to white so you can mention that as well but for me really the, the those main film techniques are the kuleshov effect the photographic vignetting um the close-ups the pans and the zooms as well and then sound those are the ones that i would have in my back pocket and again if you are going to mention them please make sure you explain how they're used and what they symbolize or signify as well so we might wrap things up there um, i've been rambling on the last half hour about rear window i didn't want to simply just read the notes my notes that um, you already have copies of so they're all on the one note as well if you want to revise over all my notes and um, all the activities that we did in class, all the quote banks, all the tables, all the film technique PowerPoints, they're all on the OneNote, so please have a read through them. Today was more so just about talking informally about the film and just refreshing you with those key ideas, those key themes, the film techniques, the meta-language, the quotes that I'm sure you're going to be building on at home. So next time, hopefully tomorrow, we'll be dropping a podcast about essay writing and especially when it comes to writing on a film but thank you for tuning in today and don't forget that proper prior preparation prevents poor performance are we finished done <laughs>